Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. And we're rolling. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Resilient Nutrition, who make nutrition products to help you perform at your best mentally and physically. I'm Helen Murray and each week on the Inside Try Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond and it is very much triathlon and beyond this week because Emma Snowsilt Fredino is my guest and yes of course we talk about triathlon and yan and racing and spectating but we talk about loads of other stuff as well because I saw her firsthand working away in La Comuna Cafe when I was in Girona and it would be so weird not to have spoken to her about her current life because she is one busy mama (laughs) and it seems like loads of you actually have been pretty busy on training camps in the sunshine recently so if you are on camp at the moment I hope you're having fun if you've just got back I hope you're not too knackered and that you had a blast basically Keith and Kate are currently on camp and Keith got in touch and said tell me that other people take a veritable smorgasbord of nutrition on holiday and it's not just us who are weird. And then he put a photo of some gels and bars by the pool. What do you reckon? I'm sure to your non-triathlon friends, yeah, total weirdos. But I reckon it's probably entirely normal for, for triathletes, isn't it? And then the worst thing is, you put loads in your bag, or at least you think you've put loads in your bag, and then you realise by day three that it really wasn't enough. <laughs> but that's what cafe stops are for, right? Cafe and cake. Kath, thank you very much for your note about the recent Mimi Anderson and Lowry Morgan interview. You said, I absolutely bloody love the podcast with Lowry and Mimi, and I've sent it to anyone who might need a bit of positivity Love what your body can do, and it doesn't matter if you're not the fastest or the strongest. Thank you, ladies. 
Lars, you said, what tough women. I loved it. Defo role models. Ruth Assel, thanks for your note as well. You said, I absolutely loved this episode. I was on a four hour solo TT slog in the wind and this really cheered me up and made me feel like what I was doing wasn't too bad compared to some of the training and racing that Mimi and Lowry have done. Lowry, you said this was energising. Oh no, Lowry. (laughs) You said this was energising, fun, honest and inspiring, an absolute gem of a listen. And M, you said this conversation might get me back into listening to pods. If you haven't heard it yet, go and check out episode 118. Donald, you said, I've done my first ever aquathlon or aquathlon. I was dreading the pool swim, but it was actually fairly chilled with only five in each lane. And I broke 15 minutes for 750 metres for the first time. It gives me hope for the longer summer swims. Adam, Greenlight PT, you said there were PBs aplenty for coach and athletes at Cambridge Half and some duathlon action at Mallory Park for the rest of our squad. And I know, David, you were also at the Cambridge Half. And another David, David Tilbury Davis, coach to David McNamee and others. Thank you very much for your video of you gravel riding on a frozen ocean or frozen lake. I'm not sure which one, but you said it was a tropical minus four Celsius and that minus 17 is more normal. Martin, you said I ticked off my hilly and muddy park run, Nendy, N-E-N-D-Y, then a 12 mile run ready for some upcoming half marathons. Now, I don't know about you. I didn't know what Nendy was. And Martin said it's your nearest event not done yet. So that means that you could always have an Nendi, right? Always. Over on Instagram, Tara, you said, I listened to your podcast with Laura Siddle whilst I was out on an endurance run and included the run drills you said she was doing after her 30-minute steady run. Thank you. Tara, I'm impressed that you could actually get what I was saying from my amazing... <laughs> Read that otherwise. Commentary of Laura doing her drills. Kirsten, you said you have been doing open water swims in 48 Fahrenheit water recently, just to get everyone in the Celsius and then switch to Fahrenheit. Brilliant. So yeah, 48 Fahrenheit, getting ready for long course swim run and a summer full of half and full Ironman racing. And then Kirsten, you told me you're actually going to be doing an event in Alaska which sounds very exciting indeed. And don't forget, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you like what I do and you want to support the show, then you can just buy me a coffee or a glass of vino every month. Just sign up at patreon.com forward slash inside try show. Time for this week's interview. So I mentioned last week that I am celebrating awesome women on the podcast for the rest of the month of March in 2022. And Emma Fredino definitely falls into that category of awesome women. Her triathlon achievements speak for themselves. She was Olympic champion, three times world champion. But Emma is also a busy mum of two, an amazing wife to the triathlon legend that is Jan Fredino. But beyond all of that, she is a successful businesswoman but she's also driven to make a difference to the local community in Girona, where they now call home. I saw firsthand just how busy she was before she sat down with me to do an interview 
in her cafe, La Comuna, in Girona. Emma, you've been a bit busy today. Obviously, I've just come in, I was sitting there having a coffee, doing my work as well, mm. and I'm like, blimey, Emma is one busy woman. Is this sort of normal life for you now? Um, it has become, yeah. I think, um, I don't know if it's just a general personality trait, <laughs> not being able to sit still in general. Um, I think the crazy idea I had here of, of a cafe and maybe what's, um, you know, stepped outside of that is, is, is the having apartments and people and, and yeah, it's, it's fun though. Like I, I have to say, I'm, I'm one that, that likes to have um, a lot of different things, but it's also interesting. It makes every day interesting. Some days more crazy than others and sometimes more stressful, but I think, you know, we're pretty much a year in now and I, I you know, I think everybody says the first year is tough and it's certainly a year I wouldn't want to do again either. Um, it was it was beyond tough. Um, but yeah, now I'm finding that the busyness is, you know, it's uh, more manageable, it's more fun and, and learning so much along the way how to delegate, how to have the right people um, and just trusting in, you know, what you think can happen will happen, but it's maybe not tomorrow or next week, but it will you know, eventually get there and it's yeah it's been really cool it's been a really fun time it is amazing to actually sort of see what you've done had you had the the vision of La Comuna for quite a while or what was like the spark I, of it? if I wasn't an athlete I've always had this uh, crazy idea of being involved in a cafe or events or uh, I, I mean food's just always been a passion like we just come from a family of I wouldn't say by any means anyone from culinary world we just I think it's been a family thing that when we've had get-togethers um, it's such a communal um, time and it's such a sharing time that everybody you know plays to their strengths and um, you know Christmases Easter's holidays it was always revolved around this large gathering of um, of, of food and and we've just always enjoyed you know really simple honest but good food and and coming from Australia we've been very fortunate to have that at our fingertips um so the concept of a cafe is is honestly I've, I mean it was my first ever job when I get when I when I was sort of you know trying to balance study and after school uh, trying to go, you know, full time as a professional athlete, but obviously couldn't quite make the leap. And and it was actually in a bike shop on the Gold Coast. And he, you know, he'd been and travelled in Europe, and and um, you know the you know the saw the uh, similarities, you know, that he could translate to the culture of Australia, and saw this, you know, cafe cycling vibe. So it was essentially a bike shop with a coffee shop in the front, like a very small. And I I worked in that, and that was my first ever job. Um, um, and yeah, it's just always intrigued me. And even in Australia, I always had these sort of unusual places that I thought a cafe would work or a nook or a, an old life-saving tower or something that I just, yeah. And, um, but you know, life has brought me to, to Girona and, um, yeah. And after, I guess, well, just sort of before the pandemic, we'd sort of, um, had some talks with the, the Ryzen and then wanting to be here. And there was this this um this connection with with Jan's coffee brand Fredissimo already and and then I I don't know I guess just through COVID it was like oh well maybe we're stuck here who knows what the world brings and whatever and I was just like stuff it let's just try and go for a, this crazy idea and and La Comuna that I name I couldn't 
move away from. That was just um, a name that stuck because uh, in, in all the languages, you know, between the, the Catalan, the Castellano, the English was something that I, um, I thought was the most relatable and, and it really was the emphasis of what I was trying to achieve and the, and the people I believed that would be our customers and, and that's the varying communities that we find ourselves in because there's, you know, a local community that um, are very much involved in sport. You've got a very, very high-end gastronomy um, culture that exists. And then you've got this um, professional athlete culture and community of athletes that also need a lot of food and, and really like good food. And I like Formula One drivers, <laughs> exactly. And coffee is synonymous <laughs> for everyone. And then you have this sort of like, um, well, I think we were seeing this transit expat community of people uh, coming here and spending time here. And if anything, um, COVID has sort of had people forced to be here and have probably made more of the decision to, to stay here more on a permanent basis. And so Lacrimona just always stuck. Like I just couldn't move away from it. So yeah, the community is is that. And, and I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, for me, it's it's just been an, an, uh, an idea that I've, I've had in my mind and, and I can see it now actually starting to evolve in the, in the direction that I really wanted it to. And it must be having, you know, being a professional triathlete yourself, having had to, retire kind of almost like forced retirement mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and actually now having such an amazing project to kind of get your teeth stuck into and like lifestyle as well really yeah it's it's been like i said like such i mean i knew it would be challenging and i've always wanted to know you know a different part of business and how it works and um and it's and it's so different obviously from being an athlete because it's you and you alone but you know the things that ring true to me are your team and the people that um that need to believe in what you're doing um i think you know there's that big similarity there between understanding that um you know now we're sort of sifting through you know the first year and whatnot but yeah again just like i said it's something that's been a part of in the back of my mind for a long 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 time and um and just yeah, like you said, having something to you know stick my teeth into, and I'm and I also realise at the end of it, I I just love seeing people happy when they eat, and I love um, that connection and that um, you know that socialness that people because that's what at the end of the day what brings people together. I think as well, you know, and I think that just makes me really happy and gives me such a buzz when I see that you know coming to life and people choose to eat here because they enjoy our food and they enjoy our coffee and you know then they meet someone that you know has been on the group ride and I think that just it's just this on flow effect and that's been um, something that's yeah been really important for me to to try to um, you know have that hub and that space for that to occur. And does does Jan have much to do with, <laughs> <laughs> with, with any of it? Um, <laughs> other than dealing with my stress at times um, and eating the kitchen out of all the last remaining food no <laughs> no i mean he's obviously got you know he's full time still you know doing what he loves most and does best and um and it's yeah it's been like i said it's been it's been strange few years for everyone 
Um, but yeah, right now he's, he's still, you know, really loving his career and, and on a daily basis, other than if there's no food at home, he's here. So, um, he, he knows the kitchen hours now and not to annoy the chefs if, if it's a few minutes behind, but, um, he's happy to come and make himself a coffee and, and have this as his second dining room. So he's, he's, he's also not complaining. And you said sometimes if you're stressed, he he might kind of calm you down a little bit at, at home is that I think it's it's just sometimes like anything you've just got to have a sounding board at times to you know remind you of why you're doing it you know why you're putting yourself through all this crazy stress and of, of something that you thought was fun and you know essentially meant to be a passion but at the end of the day it's also a business and and it's um you know sometimes not getting caught up on the things that are necessary um going back to maybe why you're doing it and and i and yeah i think we're both big believers in um and really only work particularly well off doing something that we love and and that we're passionate about and it's maybe not always the most orthodox way and old school way and and this that and the other but uh for us it works and and you know sometimes you can you know even when you're an athlete you can sway between the two as well what's right what's wrong but uh, having someone to help remind you like of the things that you set out to do um, and just you know get you back on the path because it's like anything you know where there's good energy the, the energy flows too and I think that's um, important you know sometimes to to have that sounding board and to have that understanding of that you know in the end like you may not be fixed tomorrow and today's not a great day but it's the same in training not every day is a blitzer not every day is the best not every day is you know fun and easy what the instagram puts out you know it's it's still life you know it still requires a lot of hard work and um yeah i think there's that understanding now and been a huge amount of learnings um you know for myself and and yeah i think i think right now like a year in where yeah i'm, I'm really happy that we're finding finding a bit more of a balance a balance yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly actually yeah. being able to sleep at night rather than totally totally like, oh i tell god, you god I tell, I tell you what there's been some sleepless nights yeah 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 tell me about the community in girona because mm. i know i went running with the wednesday morning yes. run group the other day normally i'm there and normally you're there yeah, so how like, did you get yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah so what's like yeah what what is that kind of community like because i think i get the impression that you have worked damn hard to really help build a community here as well i think honestly like don't get me wrong there's a big part of this that's been a personal finding myself and my community here as well you know because um i think the thing is you know, I sort of came here towards the end of my career. And when you've got sport as a as the most common theme in your life, and, and I think for me it's been my whole life, the biggest thing that uh, stood out to me was that wherever you go in the world, you've got an instant community. You've got an instant ability to connect with people, doesn't matter the language, the culture, to connect with, to talk about, to find something in common in, and to find your sort of some people that helps you along your way and i think for me um being very very ill like you said and, and being forced to retire and and not having that participation in in sport that i knew then having kids and feeling you know pretty isolated here um 
I think it just, I thought, okay, well, what are the things that speak to me? How do I find these things? And surely I'm not the only one. So there's been quite a personal drive to, to try and harness, you know, those people. And, and yeah, again, a hub here, but also like you said, like this Wednesday morning run group. I mean, I can't take credit for that. That was another friend, but who I met and that would began as a hike group and another, you know, different um, variety of people that were also here for not even professional sport. They were here for, um, you know, love sport, love outdoor, outdoor lifestyle, loved, um, you know, taking part in events, but would by no means professional, just chose to, to be in a better place. And then you have on top of that now that's grown exponentially because people can work a lot more from home or choose where they work. Um, and I think that's just helped it grown. And to me, that's also been such a, a, a part where it's like, oh, this just feels, you know, so nice that, you know, Wednesday morning, you know, that you can show up with the whole, I mean, I'd hate to think how many people are on our chat now. It's incredible. Like, I mean, it literally, I think when I came here, you know, trying to find a friend to run with was like, you know, it's great to run, but you know, I've spent so much of my sporting time on my own training that you want to meet up with people and you want to have that social aspect. And um, so, yeah, no, it's been really good, really good fun. And you're also doing some amazing work with the Fredino Foundation, mm-hmm. right? And there is a town not too far from here is it salt salt yeah it's pretty much connected you wouldn't know where Girona ends and salt starts yeah and you've built a pump track there so for like bmx Mm -hmm. for for kids Mm -hmm. so like well a couple of things is is it like a almost like a poorer area of Girona, or is there a little bit of poverty there and kind of what was the thinking behind actually building that pump track because it looks something amazing and you're like changing kids lives and stuff i mean well the the obviously the the back end of the story is that with the, with the lockdown and jan's um indoor iron man um he when he told me about the idea of what he wanted to do um i thought it was quite egotistical considering what the world was going through um, and I said I would only obviously um, help uh, support you on the day and, and, and um, get involved with it if it meant that it was something bigger than yourself. Wow. Um, because I just, it was just such a tight, weird place for the world to be in. And I just thought that self, um, yeah, to talk about yourself and to... I just thought there was far bigger things going on in the world and... Did he see it that way, Emma? Um, I think... I think he... I think Jan's just... He's, he's just so highly motivated to do what he does that he just... For himself, he needed a goal for himself because he was just also, like everyone else, so unsure of what was happening in the world. And, and that means sometimes you revert to what you know and, and, and what am I good at? I'm good at setting goals and achieving them. Tick, okay. And I was like, I, I get that. I'm all for that. But if you wanted to, to do what you want to do, then it needs to stand for something else other than, than just, you know, saying you did it. Um, and we'd long been involved in the, in the Laureus Foundation and been to many projects. Um, 
and had always um, wanted to have a project of her own because I think sport's such a self-absorbed, somewhat selfish, um, you know, um, pursuit, which it 100% needs to be. But I always thought that that's got to somehow be able to return something else in the world and, and from our um, opportunities to visit projects we saw that firsthand and, and we always thought we would like to have our own project so we didn't know what that project meant but I said you know if you do do that then what's it going to stand for what's it going to be and the whole idea came about that they would make it into the production it became and raise money and we would didn't really know what we would do with it at that point we had obviously Lores, um supporting it and in our side, and we sort of thought that we would disperse it um, maybe amongst a number of foundations. But as it turned out, um, the woman that you see me mostly around, who a lot of people can almost think of as our sister, um, was one of the first women I met here in Girona who had a little like local small goods store and I bought pretty much mine and Jan's weight and chocolate from her. <laughs> and she had wine and cheese, chocolate and little providors. But she went on to have a business, uh, like a gastronomy sort of cooking experience. Some of my kids did cooking classes with her and she had tours of because of the culture here. But um, as we were coming out of lockdown, I um, ran into her business partner or her, her, the, her, um, the girl she was in business with and we were just discussing, um, you know, obviously what's been going on in the world and the, the business obviously, you know, they didn't know if it would survive. And we got... I don't know, it was all, it's all a bit of a haze now in terms of timeline, but Jan had done this indoor Ironman. We had all these, a, a heck of a lot of money raised that we were kind of like scratching ahead, like what, what on earth, like what, what do we do? What do we do with this? And then um, Irene, um, through her, her friend that I met, there, there was all this talk about, because here in Europe that so many kids get fed at school um, their meals and their lunches and, and in poor socioeconomic um, um, towns and, and very close to us, Salt was one of them that we're hearing that basically a lot of parents relied on their children eating their main meal at school. And so there were these kids that couldn't afford, the, the families that couldn't afford for their children to eat. So I had this weird, crazy idea that I said, well, why don't we use some of the funds now to try to, because they still had their kitchen um, they had very good connections to local like uh, food banks and donations like this sort of types of scenarios. I said, what if we could create a, school, uh, a program to give them these kids in salt through basically the, the poorest socioeconomic schools uh, and create a food program while forever along we don't know this is going to exist. So I found Irene and I gave her my idea about you know this and she was like all for it, hundred percent and she's a local person and she knew the people to contact at the schools and she got this thing up and running like like ten Amazing. women it was insane so we did that for you know they had to sign up and we had to know all the schools and the families and stuff and they those families could get their their meals delivered and um, and obviously I was very hell-bent on it being you know particularly healthy and nutritious and um, and 
from there, we donated some of the money to um, the public hospital over here, to some um, some of the ICU units and stuff, and a, a very variety of the charities. But we had a lot of money still to you know knowing what to do with. And yeah, Jan and I, we don't know why, but we thought, okay, why, why not use what we've got? Why not utilize this experience? And we know what sport gives to, to young people. Um, and why don't we create a place and a hub to do it? And the idea of the pump truck actually came from one of our um, places we'd lived in Stellenbosch in South Thank Africa. And we'd seen in the neighboring towns, you know, the dirt pump tracks and some friends that um, had been involved in setting up a project there. And we just, we just, it just was, it's such a childhood thing to ride a bike, to learn to ride a bike and that thrill of a bike. And seeing in South Africa that bikes were, you know, a means of transport, not just a means of play. And um, yeah, well, luckily with a lot of Jan's connections and people, we got to a, a company through Canyon that, you know, builds these tracks and and we worked on that and basically trying to create this this hub and this center for for these kids to come and be kids um, because obviously it put a lot of stress on families and a lot of these kids were you know basically you know needing to help work for the family needing to help help out um, but you know they were obviously seeing a lot of effects very quickly in these schools of of, of kids yeah not not being able to um yeah to 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 live out and just also be children but also that sport was the last thing that people were thinking about and not that it's the savior for all but it's certainly you know the benefits to 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 humans are you know it's it's not really up for discussion anymore what it does for the mind body soul and um again irene i talked to irene and said to like off the back of the food program i said look this is what we'd like to do with it. Would you like to be the director and help us direct this? Um, because we need a local person to, to get to the people that we know we need to get to. Um, we're not from here. And she just took it on like a hundred mile an hour. And honestly, like she's, she's, she's the director. Like we give her ideas and what we want and how we believe we think it can happen and and what it is we want to do but she is the driving force to make it happen it's it's incredible and that is amazing we have all these schools that it's actually now part of their school program and their school time that they go down to the yeah wow. so we have bikes that they can go and use in their school time and then we've got clubs that are starting to want to use it to learn to teach other kids and, and basically um immersing you know some of the kids that might not have the opportunities to join clubs but seeing that, you know, that sport is a vehicle, it's not just about high-end performance, it's also about, for them, a community. And the more we got talking to the kids and asking them what, why were they here, why did they love being here, because they had friends and they had um, this place where they could be themselves. And I think, yeah, we just realised that, yeah, everybody, it might be... It might, you know, we're fortunate, uh, we live in a society that bikes are, you know, we're, we're lucky to ride them, we're lucky to race them, we're lucky to spend our free time when we have it on them, but that's not the case for everyone. And and that's something, yeah, that, that just has, has continued to grow and, and we also just see that that's something that, yeah, we've got heaps of crazy ideas and, and, and that's what I say, we're just lucky that we've got people around us that, you know, believe in our crazy ideas and, and, and help, you know, execute them. Because I think, 
I don't know, a lot of people might not actually realise quite how much you are doing and have done and actually hearing you speak now, like, it's awesome. Like, it is amazing what you're doing. It's sometimes... I'm going to give you a big, like, you know... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, I have to admit, like, in the last year, hmm, starting a charity, opening a cafe, saying yes to managing apartments... Um, probably was not the smartest thing to be doing, um, but I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure my dad will be the first to say I've always done things mm, all in the harder way. There's my way, he would say, but I've just always been, unfortunately, one of those people that learn by doing. Um, and like I said, it's it's not a year I would love to replay because it's it's certainly been super super challenging. But in the same breath, that's what comes of challenging, you know, challenge to see what comes out, to see where you stand. And you know, I think we're lucky that to have a, a social project that you know obviously relies on people to understand and know what it is, what we're doing, but why we're doing it. Um, that that we still believe sport is that superpower in people's lives and and not everybody may ever you know get to know it until they experience it we're always a big believer is that somebody can't tell you how it feels only you can feel it once you've done it yourself um and i guess the same goes for us you know I've, I'm, I'm, i have more than enough people telling me you know it's it's really hard you know um cafe restaurant whatever you want to call it it's you know it's it's really tough it's super challenging and and i will 100 percent agree but there's nothing nobody said that could have given me the experience of what i've gone through now and to know and i would tell the same to someone else who came to me said what open a cafe i'd be like you're mad don't do it you're crazy it's nuts like but that's everybody's you know everybody has to to, to challenge their own path and and I think at the end of the day, like, um, yeah, we, we just, we feel there was something we could add to the landscape here. And we feel that, you know, we're thankful for the, for, for Christian and Amber and the fabricators that put this place on the map, you know, not for the cycling, but a cafe culture. And I come from a country that thrives off cafe culture, you know, and that's one of the biggest thing that's been hard to get across here. But um, you know, all those people and all those parts to play help us all, you know, um, choose to, to be here or choose to continue to flock here, which I think they are. <laughs> Definitely. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And do you, do you see Girona now as, like, you'll be staying here? Oh, it's such a hard question to answer. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I desperately miss Australia because I haven't been home in two and a half years. So I'm, I'm, my goal right now is to to um, to get this place running to a, a point where I can I can go visit my family with the you kids for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it's also important because you, of course you you know it's like everything in life you can't um, control every single little aspect and you also still have to do you know. I'm not from this part of the world and, and that's just the nature of the beast and I you know that's my next experiment per se is to be able to um, take some periods to step away but also I want that experiment because we don't know how young young wants to continue to race for and, and the kids have really not seen any part of his career um, in the last two years and, and before that they were too young to I think really understand so you know, I, I really want to have a position to be able to say, you know, look, this needs to run for this amount of time because there's also life that needs to go on and, and, and we want these experiences for us and as a family and, 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 um, and I think, yeah, I think it's important to everyone and it's the same, I think I'm fairly fair to everybody here that, you know, that, that everybody's got their stories and their lives that they need to leave and... You know, we all, we're all here just to have fun and work hard and, yeah, enjoy ourselves, I think, at the end of the day. Talking of fun and mm-hmm. enjoyment, mm-hmm. how was Esquail? So good. <laughs> so good. All, all you saw was, like, rave reports about it's it. It's so fun. So just, yeah. exp- it, like, explain what it is for people who yeah. might not be aware. So that was also one of our other ideas. Another in, one, just um, to throw yeah, into I forgot the pot. that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's not good when we sit around and get locked in our houses because... Yeah, and I's energy expenditure obviously goes to our brains and we start throwing all these weird, wonderful ideas out. But um, so there's a local event company here called Classmark that um, Jan started encouraging me just to take part. So I got to know other trails and, you know, other, you know, meet other people and, and, and you know, get to know the well gravel roads, whatever and whatnot. But after COVID, we, you know, we could start seeing that maybe the events start taking a shift in, in the way people participate and that mass participation is not necessarily all being on the start line all at once. It's a little bit more self-supported. It's all, you know, because the events I was taking part is that you download your route. Yeah. It's not really marked. It's enough, you know, you're very capable of getting lost. Um, and this whole sort of self-supported style of, you know, whether it be, you know, hour and a half four hours whatever but you know it was just different to what we knew you know closed off barricades start at the same time and we're like oh i wonder if you could do that with a triathlon like we sort of were like oh, mulling it around and and um and then yeah we thought yeah we don't want to do it as like a traditional triathlon it wants we need it to be fun and and yeah, because I'd been doing a lot more gravel riding than road riding, and I kept. And he also does a lot in the off season. He knew, you know, how fun it was. And so yeah, we just said, oh, same thing. Like we said to the events, you know, the local guys, like, well, what do you think about this? Would you want to like 
put this on. Um, and Jan's got a best friend who's his manager that is is also, you know, he's, he's the one that makes everything happen also at the end of the day. Jan and I, well, Jan has the ideas. I sort of back them up or say they're a bad idea. And, and then we try and just sort of implement everything. Um, but yeah, we said to them and they'd never put on a triathlon, um, let alone a point-to-point triathlon. And it was hands down like they did such an incredible job so good like it was all bike pickup night before trucks take your bikes down to the transition where the swim was one of the most spectacular rides along the coast one of the most beautiful ports but like our food stops were food stops like people we had music oh we had donuts (laughs) we had we had chorizo we had anything like you could literally like i could have taken on more calories you you could have burnt in the day like it was just fun even i mean i haven't done a triathlon in close to a decade i reckon and i was like that was the best fun ever like just yeah just so cool and and just i think it's just so you know we had so many people and you meet people out on the course and so many you know really really invested you know triathletes in short course and ironman that travel the world and they're like this is amazing i'm like yeah because we just want to be fun like we don't need to compare we don't need to compare times and watts and pace this is just like have fun out here enjoy the spectacular scenery we put on a cool like um you know put on food catering from the cafe at the finish line cold beers i was like that's that's just that's a good day out like, sounds like a dream event. yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah i think i think we're gonna um i think we're gonna have a few more people wanting to show up this year you know the first time you went to kona mm-hmm. was that as a spectator yes yeah. yes yeah so i when you were coached by brett sutton yes he had this idea didn't he that actually no you are going to be more of a long distance yeah. triathlete yeah 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 but yeah. that didn't obviously pan out because yeah, of yeah. the time and things so that first time that you were there yes what what was it like knowing that you wouldn't be competing and that you were there as a spectator so we first went there as spectators Yam is invited by specialized in I'm going to say 2011, actually. And I, I, I was like hooked. And Jan never was interested in Ironman long distance. Like he grew up in the Federation and Olympic distance. But I'd always had this like itch. And also, like you said, Brett had always you know, noticed and my swim coach at a young age had always noticed that I was much more suited to longer distance events and my endurance was you know where I you know was was better suited and so I was like obsessed like when I got there I was like yeah definitely ready to do that and I feel like it may have been earlier for some reason but I was already had already dealing with my virus I was already dealing with my virus by end of 2009 so I already you know my health was not in a place that I think um at that point was sort of indicating that it was just not going to be at that time um and but being there with Jan I just said to him even before I was like I don't know how to explain it but it's it's gonna it's gonna hook you and he's like oh okay and then after that trip he was also like okay I know what you mean like this is like this is really weird but I really want to do it and I was like I told you um and so I think yeah like I I mean uh, yeah I'll be honest I think there's a part that 
lives vicariously through him, you know, with what he's got gone on to do and to go on to the long course and um, and achieve what he's wanted to achieve and, and see also the way he's changed his training and his mind. and um, But, yeah, yeah, there, there's definitely a part that um, I would have loved to have, have been there. Yeah, I, I love the heat. I love the humidity. I love... Um, yeah, that endurance, I, I always can always feel my body switch over into diesel mode. And um, yeah, I grew up training with Rini and junior training camps and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm still lucky. I just, I'm just in a different place to, to enjoy it in a different way. And on race morning yes. now, when you're there with yeah. Jan, yeah. what's he like? Do you have to keep him calm or is he... Is he pretty just in the zone? He's pretty in the zone. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the um, he's he's pretty good now at like um, he's pretty good with his mind and and yeah, it's he he's it's taken a lot of work. But I think race morning, it's you know there's obviously a lot of nerves. But I always believe that nerves are important. It means you care and. It's a matter of knowing how those nerves need to work for you and, and, and to harness them. So, yeah, he's pretty quiet and, and I'm, I'm also, I think, like relatively nervous, but I, I think mine just gets heightened as soon as the gun goes off because I'm, you know, I, I know he's in, in, in the mode to race and, and can always sense when it's the right mode, um, when it's going to be a good day and... And then, yeah, I just don't like the next eight hours because it's just so, so sickeningly long and nerve-wracking. <laughs> that's good. That, right. So that's worse. It. As soon as the gun goes, like, that's where I say I don't like it because it's, when you're an athlete, as soon as the gun goes, the nerves go. You're, you're in, like, you know, full focus mode. And whereas as a spectator, it's just eight hours of literally, like, I, I honestly feel so exhausted when the race is over because, you're, you know, it, it's something that, you know, you, you're not in control, I guess, and you're just spectating and watching and giving your energy to but cannot do anything about. So I think the first time I never did a full Ironman in Frankfurt, I think I fell asleep <laughs> as he was giving a pace roast interview against the Barrigade. I was so shattered. I was just like, oh, my God, like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. So, you know, you've got all the adrenaline and the caffeine and running on this high. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny, yeah, wow. I have to say. And I want to finish mm-hmm. with Susie Neal, mm-hmm. Miss Butterfly, mm-hmm. was your like kind mm-hmm. of hero as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why was that? Mm-hmm. And what's it like now? Mm-hmm. Or perhaps, I don't know, maybe say like 10 years ago or whatever mm. or you see kids now like mm-hmm. looking up to mm. Jan mm-hmm. do you sort of process the same kind of feelings with that I I think with the foundation that's that's been such a big precipice for for me and and for Jan to to remind you know ourselves to remind you know that there's more going on in the world at times too than than, than sport and and, and I always think that, that we're pretty lucky in triathlon because you're so accessible to the pros. It's not in a stadium, it's not in a closed court. Um, and that makes it unique and that makes it very special. Um, but I think the biggest thing, the most profound thing that from my experience meeting Sozie O'Neill actually as a, a 16, 17 year old at a, at a breakfast, at a, um, a women's breakfast, 
was that it was one thing to see these icons and see these people you looked up to and aspired to on TV and and well, at that time you couldn't Google them quite like you can now, but um, you know to to understand what they did, and you and, and in the end you you know you 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 knew even less, but when you met that person and you were like, but they're just like me, they're just a real person, they're just a normal person, I think that was so leveling in the sense that it made you realize like, okay, so if I have these same dreams and goals, then I'm also you know it just it, it is such a a way to realize that that it is achievable and it, it, it is um, accessible and I think it just it somehow gives you that maybe that little bit of superpower to realize that chasing your dreams is actually a possibility it is a reality because that person on TV is real and and to learn about them and to ask them the questions and I think yeah I think that's the same for Yarn now like when I see young kids, you know, talking to them. And we often, you know, you walk away sometimes and like, ah, oh, you know, you try to remember everyone's names because you, you, you wonder one day which one you're going to hear next. And, you know, and, and we've had experiences, not just in triathlon, but like, like Daniel Ricciardo, we remember meeting him as a Formula 2 driver and in Salzburg in the Red Bull hangar. And, you know, like, ah, oh, yeah, this kid from Australia and he's going to go to Formula 1. And now you look now and you're like, wow, okay, cool. Like... Not because we had a part, but we had the same thing, you know? Like, everybody needs a hero. I think it's, I think it's important. I think if your hero, you know, is um, the epitome of, 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 you know, doing what they love, um, it's super fortunate. It's amazingly fortunate to, to do what you love, to, uh, to know what it means to, uh, to put in the hard work and, and to reap reward. Uh, to set goals and um, yeah, also ultimately look after yourself, learn about yourself, learn about not just your body but your mind and what it takes because it, it takes both. And I think that's um, I think that's vital, especially for kids. You see that um, more and more that that's what you know that's what they need um, mentors for, and that's what they need community for, and 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 that's what helps you know helps them lift themselves and get the most out of themselves. You, you speak so much like, so much like wisdom. You did just say you and Jan are obviously very normal because you're, you're just normal people who, like Jan has an exceptional talent at triathlon, but he's a normal guy. Have any of his achievements made you think, bloody hell, like, that is like super normal? Oh no, it really irritates me. I was like, dude, like, you know, for a time there, I did have some more world titles than you and now you come and knock me off my perch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will admit, I, I, one of my goals was to be the first person to win an, an Olympics and to win Kona. But yes, again, I live vicariously through him. So no pressure, Jan, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. No, nah, no, nah, it's good. It's good. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing life. You know, like I, I you know, I, I say that to him now, like, you know, he, he obviously is getting asked a lot, you know, you're still competing, you're old, you're this, you're that. And I was like, if you love what you do, what, 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 what does it matter what the number says and, and the, the sun goes around for another year? You're not injured, you're not, you want to get up every day and do what you absolutely love. I said, the moment that's not there, that's a different story. But you're not forcing it, you love it, like, and I think, Honestly, I honestly don't think you're ever going to get a better job in the world. It's the best. So keep going. 
<laughs> Amazing. Emma, thank you so much. No, thank you. Oh, what an honour it was to actually sit down face to face with Emma in Girona. And if you enjoyed that interview, maybe you learned something new that you hadn't heard her talk about before or something about her that you hadn't heard before, or indeed maybe about Jan Fredino, then please do share, comment on it and just help more people to hear about the podcast. It makes a massive, massive difference. Now, far more importantly, far, far, far more importantly, away from podcast things, I'm finding events in Ukraine so disturbing, as I imagine that you are too. And it's really, really hard to know what to do in order to help. And one thing that I did notice at the weekend, actually, is that podcast sponsors Resilient Nutrition are going to be shipping out some emergency nutrition to crisis response teams on the ground in Ukraine and the surrounding area as well. So just before I hit record, Ashley, I just bought a mega huge pouch of long range fuel. It's like 9.99. It's 1600 calories. It's, it's like a meal replacement, basically. So for someone on the ground working who can't get food, this could actually keep them going and give them the calories and the energy that they need. And basically, it's going to go directly to an aid shipment and then resilient nutrition will match that donation as well so to me it seems like an easy but a tiny tiny thing to do but I guess the more orders that resilient nutrition get the more support that then they can provide so you can just find out more go over to resilientnutrition.com's website and you can find the details there thanks for listening to the inside try show If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. Thank you, as always, for keeping in touch with me, letting me know what you are up to. Usually, I say usually, usually on a Monday, I do put something out there because I do love hearing what you are up to as well. And I can tell you that it is now five weeks until Beyond the Ultimate's Highland Ultra, which is being supported by podcast sponsors Resilient Nutrition. We have our first Q&A tonight, which means that the organisers are going to be on Zoom and all the other people who are going to be doing this race who can make this Zoom call are going to be there and I guess it's a case of answering questions and things like that and I think it's going to be oh it's going to be so so real but we have been we have been training really really hard for it we have been out on our feet a lot we have been getting the miles in we've been testing our kit we've been eating dehydrated food (laughs) here's the latest update Rich, I feel like we're always looking at Highland Ultra stuff. It's kind of like it's on the mind. Well, it is because we need to make sure we've got everything that's on their list. Otherwise, when we get there, then they'll go, no, you're not running. This is true. And that'll be a long way to go for no result. And what excitement did I bring back today from from uh, from town? A bamboo toothbrush, which weighs in at six grams, Weight Watchers. (laughs) Six grams. It's, I mean, it's more than half of but, the I mean, spork. <laughs> yeah, but you, you'd really adopted the, the white weenie mentality and bought the children's version because it was smaller. 
That's true. <laughs> there were two options. I mean, they had adult ones, obviously, but they did have... But they weighed more. So <laughs> They weighed more. And I was like, well, we're going to go with the kid's toothbrush. And we're going to go with this one because it looks like it's smaller. So, yeah, we have a, a child's bamboo toothbrush. <laughs> Six grams. That'll get you through three days. So what else, Rich, have you got in front of us? I see something uh, saying, the kit list. The kit list. Well, we were just looking to make sure. Blimey. Let's go through that medical list. Go on, let's bore everyone with what we have to take medical-wise. Yeah, so you have to carry oral rehydration sachets, five of them, antiseptic cream, a tube, so some kind of savlon, I guess, antiseptic wipes times 10, antihistamine cream times one tube, plasters of five different sizes, disposable gloves, um, like nitrile ones, I guess, um, Compete, blister plasters, other brands are available. Four of them. Um, four of them. Um, I think I'm going to carry more because you, you have two feet, and, and two feet over over <laughs> three, three days, days is is not eight. Um, or four. Or four. Um, K tape, which we've got. I don't know why you need K tape. I've never used K tape, um, but they're very specific about what kind of size you need. Ten centimeters by two and a half meters. That, that's changed to five centimetres by five metres. Five, blimey. It's a, it's a chocker <laughs> roll. Um, it's so not a chocolate roll. No, but, it, you know, that's going to be weighing us down. Our six grams of toothbrush is going to be cancelled out by a K-tape. Anyway, um, alcohol, hand sanitizer, tweezers, because ticks are apparently common in the area we're going to. Green needles. I don't actually know what a green needle is. I don't either, but apparently no. they're supplied to us. They're supplied at registration. Um <laughs> If anyone knows, fill us in. Yeah, please fill us in, because that's a mystery. (laughs) And then toilet paper, we know all about toilet paper. Um, Yeah, this is true. That is a a hefty list, isn't it? (laughs) It's a pretty comprehensive medical list. I guess the the idea is that if anything did go wrong, then you can at least patch yourself up until someone comes and gets you. Yeah, with with a green needle. Um, This will be fun. I have just noticed something else on here, actually, which is quite useful this is what i was wondering and obviously i should have read this bit sooner i think i did read it maybe but i probably ignored it Two thousand calories a day this is a minimum we recommend two and a half thousand or above so i'm gonna have fun with the calorie maths i think over the next over the next few weeks yeah we've got some stuff to try though haven't we um and i think if, if we reference what we did on the weekend, we did eat better than we have done previously on the trail. And, you know, <laughs> Do you know I, why that was? <laughs> well, because cause it was there, you know. Because it was an organised event with three manned aid stations. And at those aid stations, they had all sorts of joy. Egg sandwiches. Who knew an egg sandwich was going to be such... That, I was just straight for the egg sandwiches. Egg sandwiches, uh, hummus wraps. Nachos. Um, shot of whiskey bottle of beer. beer we didn't have either the whiskey or the beer but they did have both on offer at the final aid Check, station 8.7. which had there was still 10k to go and there was a guy in front of us who literally downed a beer and he didn't chugged he? it like a straw pedo <laughs> and then just powered off and i was like wow and they finished they did finish they did a fair finish. bit before us yeah, i should have had the beer oh anesthetic so, but I, I agree, right? We did do better. So th- at the weekend, we were doing an organised event called the 10, Saddleworth 10 Reservoir Challenge. It was 26 miles. It was just over 26 miles, actually. I got just under 44K on my watch. It had about 4,500 feet of elevation. And about... 400 miles of bog (laughs) it was so much bog and the issue is we had had bog the week before when we were in south wales but this is northern england and this is 
peat bog, peat bog. which I, I don't, how do you describe peat for someone who isn't from the UK and, and might not have Deep, peat? Dark, black, smelly, squidgy, slippery. Um, yeah, it's just like heavy soil, isn't it? But, sort of but, mud, but even but, but more, different, isn't but it? More substantial. I mean, dry peat you can burn, can't you? Yeah, this is how um, yeah. it fueled in um, in remote areas. Couldn't burn this; it's far too wet. I mean, but th- just to, s- to give this idea of actually how grim the peat was, like I washed my, I did have a good shower afterwards, and I washed my feet, and the next day I still had sort of like muddy marks between my toes, well, even yeah. though I had washed them. Peat stains. Oh, that explains it then. Um. <laughs> so yeah, so we did eat better, and we nearly fell in the bog. It was really, really hard going. Um, I found it, I did find it difficult, and I found it mentally draining as well so I was having a few sense of humor failures during that and throw into the mix that I think because it's still kind of part of a a chunky block at the moment like we were going into that tired Hmm. which is what we will be obviously going into day two and day three we're going to be tired in Scotland of course but you know compared to the guys who ran past us um like the overall winner they they absolutely stormed past us Mm. on a technical descent as well um with uneven ground and like going into the boggy section as well i don't really know how you run across that bog unless you're called jesus maybe it was jesus (laughs) well maybe i mean but i mean it was really tricky terrain and, and they they absolutely demolished it so so yeah you're right we did go into it off the back of a big block, we we had a double header weekend where we covered nearly 40 miles over the mm. weekend. Last weekend, we were running and biking this week as well. And swimming. And swimming. Well, I was. You were. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so it was it was a tough day out. Yeah. It was a really tough day. But lessons for me again, lessons learned, which is what it's all about at the moment. As you say, we definitely did do better with the food. I know it was provided, but at least we took it on. Yep. Um, so that was a huge win, really, wasn't it? Definitely, definitely. And, and again, test of equipment and kit. Um, I tried a new bag. Yeah, but, I mean, mm. in terms of new bag and or existing bags, we were carrying a significant proportion of stuff that we will have to be carrying. Yeah. And you could prove that we could run with it because we did do a chunk of running as yeah. well as a chunk of walking. I mean... We were, we were running a fair bit of that. Yeah. The bits we could run, we were running it couldn't run the uphills there was one bit where you pretty much for me it felt like a a wall of a wall but with heather on it it was insane you like really did have to haul yourself up the side of a ravine wasn't it there there was a big boulder choke um coming out on the the outward leg and then yeah you were climbing up the valley side basically to regain all the elevation you'd lost on the return to the finish it was mental, absolutely mental. But there we go. That is another day banked and another day closer. And you're wanting to, you wanting to say something there, Rich? Go on. How good was the soup and the hot roll at the end of it? <laughs> you know, cup of soup never tasted so good, and that is going in the bag. That was a lesson learned. A couple of sachets of salty cup of soup. Yep. Straight down your neck when you finish the day. That's going to be really good, actually. Absolutely right. It's going on the list along with uh, the. Uh, Green needles and the toilet paper and no, the cake tape you don't and everything need to else. Buy the green needles you get given them. Read the list. <laughs> 
So remember, you can get 10% off everything over at resilientnutrition.com who are supporting the Highland Ultra. Just use the code INSIDETRY10. So whether you want to try their new product, which is called Switched On, which helps reduce tiredness and fatigue, or maybe you want to stock up on performance-enhancing nut butters. You can also get money off at 33fuel.com. They do brilliant energy bars and chia seed gels and protein bars. Just use the code InsideTry33 and then comfuel.co.uk. You can also get some money off with the code InsideTry if you are after a smorgasbord like Keith and Kate. That is it for this week. So keep in touch. Happy racing, happy training, and we'll catch up again next week. Podcast Network.